Recording it. Talk Recorded live. Welcome, everybody. Why? From Portland, Oregon. It's a historic day. It's the first time in 29 years the World Indoor Track and Field Championships are on the U.S. soil. And on a personal note, for the first time in 54 years, the Yale Bulldogs are playing in the NCAA tournament. We'll discuss everything Yale. Oh, no. Excuse me. This will be exclusively a Let'sRun.com World Indoor Preview Show. I'm Welvin Johnson, joined by Jonathan Galls here in Portland. The brains of the Let'sRun.com organization, Steve Soprano, maybe, or will be joining us shortly. And we have Robert Johnson uh, on the line in beautiful Baltimore, Maryland. Welcome, everybody. Good to be here, Weldon. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. You guys forgot about the wonderful Irish-American holiday. Yes, to all of our forgotten Irish-American friends out there, welcome. Or to all Irish friends who may be listening. Yes. Cahal. Anyway, the sun is out in Portland. I think they must know it's a special day. Uh, John and I have been here for a week, and we had not seen the sun for more than about 17 minutes until yeah. yesterday. Well, we used to joke at Dartmouth that they would always – the, the uh, president of the college had a weather machine that he would use on uh, spring weekends to, you know, get prospective students to visit or, you know, for the students to enjoy some late spring partying. And I think Vin Lanana, who Dartmouth man himself, may have gotten access to that weather machine because, yes, the next few days it's going to be beautiful in Portland, whereas earlier this week, pretty miserable, i got to say. Yes, and Vin Lanana, uh, head of Tracktown USA, that's probably a good place to start. Um, you know, he's he's the man who pulled this off and got the world indoors here and, and got the world championships in Eugene in 2021. Um, but I, th- I think we should, first of all, just sort of start with the basics, the schedule. So it's a unique format for world indoors this year. Uh, stuff kicks off tonight at 10.05 Eastern, and the only event tonight is the men's and women's pole vault. Um, pretty unique. There's an opening ceremony in men's and women's pole vault. Um, and earlier we were talking offline, and Robert, uh, you know, you give us your feedback on that, what your initial reaction was. Well, I was just asking you guys how much time do we have. Obviously, I want to catch the uh, couple NCAA round games, and I wasn't sure what time the, the uh, pole vault started. And I was like, where the hell are they having the pole vault? Are they having it at a mall? I just assumed it was a one-off event probably in a mall or – I mean, I guess you can't really have it outside if it's the World Indoor Championship. So, but I thought it was weird that they would be having it in the mall. And well, I guess Walden, to my surprise, told me it's in the stadium. Yeah, it's just the pole vault in the stadium. And maybe on first glance, that sounds kind of foreign, but I think it's going to be raucous. Uh, we we saw Ben on, I guess it was Friday night, and we were on the back row of the press row, and we were streaming the NCAA meet live on our laptop. And he saw it, immediately came over. One of the highlights of my meet was sort of watching the NCA DMR with him because Cheserick got it and he just said this thing's over. He was so confident. Um, but then we we talked a little bit about the meet and the pole vault and you know at the time 92% of the tickets for World Indoors had been sold and the night he was most worried about they may have too many people is for the pole vault because you bought a season ticket package you got tickets to the pole vault 
I know they tried to get the Portland Timbers Army, the big soccer club here. They gave away free tickets, gave people two free beers as they come out tonight. Um, so they may have more people than they have seats for. But the pole vault is going to be one of the, one of the, the top events here. Um, you know, at USA's Demi Payne had a top time, uh, top ten time all, all mark, and she didn't even make the team. But top ten uh, vault, not time. Mark, yes. Hard to put up she a She would time have been a top ten individual all time. Um, but, you know, Jen Surf has broken the world record this year indoors in obscure meet. She gets beaten uh, at USA's by Sandy Morris, had a lifetime PR, joined the 16-foot club. So those two should battle, battle it out. Uh, you know, the Greek girl is very good. Um, so you, you can see we could see a world record tonight. Um, that would be a great way to kick off world indoors. Yeah, and we got the world record holder on the men's side, Renault Levillenay. Uh, we got the world champion, Sean Barber. Uh, you got the U.S. champion, Sam Kendricks, on the men's side. So, you know, the, the women are the ones who got the headlines at USA Indoors, but uh, at World Indoors, the men should be exciting as well. So, yeah, world record is on the table, both genders, uh, if the top vaulters come ready to compete. Question for you guys, since I was at NCAAs and I'm not making a trip out to Portland, by the way, a lot of people ask me, like, you know, what? You, you went to NCAAs and, and, and not to Worlds? And I was like, I don't want to go to Worlds. I mean, sure, I'd want to go, but I, I gotta, can only be gone so so much. And I'm going to the Olympics. I'm going to Eugene. I, I go to Oregon all the time for track meets. I went to World Indoors and Soapbox Poland two years ago. I was like, I can skip this one. And I was very happy with the decision. Quick shout-out to the people in Birmingham. The Crossplex, Crossplex facility, $46 million Aquatic and track and field facility is fantastic, and I had a lot of fun out there. I mean, pretty much I know I've been to everywhere in Portland and Eugene, and I can be. Whereas in Birmingham, I probably had barbecue stuff myself probably three or four different day times at different restaurants. So a lot of fun out there. But um, one thing that I was going to ask you guys is the, the um, in in terms of the pole vault. You know, well indoors you only get two two entrants per country, except they sort of kept under wraps that there was this world indoor tour and if you won that you know you could send an extra person so why didn't did americans just not know about that or was there not the women's pole vault in that why didn't some american just go over there and make sure that they got get an auto spot well i i know that they don't they didn't have the world indoor tour it was only in certain events for each sex so the pole vault it was only a men's event in the world indoor tour next year i think next year sorry this year it was only a men's event Next year, it will switch to a women's event. Oh, sorry, next, I'm guessing next championship, next, you know, either 2017 or 2018. But this year, the only women's events were the 400, 1500, 60 hurdles, high jump, and long jump. So uh, the person who ended up getting the extra spot for their country was Sean Barber of Canada, the defending world champion. But Canada, you know, doesn't need it. He's the only Canadian athlete competing. So, uh, one of the U.S. men could have gotten that if they wanted, but um, not. it wasn't a possibility for one of the U.S. women to grab that spot. Very interesting. Hopefully that's promoted a little bit better next time because I didn't even know about that until <laughs> yeah, it really happened. I think not many people knew about it. Um, I wasn't aware of the wild card process until I got out to um, USA's. But on, on a positive note, you know, we criticize at times you, the IWF, some of their decisions and whatnot. But one of the other bigger stories at the World Indoors Championships will be the young American phenom high jumper, Vashti Cunningham, 
the daughter of NFL great Randall Cunningham. Um, until this past weekend, you know, she she had set the high school national record, and that's what she was sort of known for. But then she goes to USA's and, uh, you know, surprises a lot of people, wins the whole thing, jumps 199, and sets a world leader. Um, but the only problem was she did not have a world qualifying mark. The qualifying ended the week before, um, so it could have been a sort of disastrous deal. But, you know, with indoors, the IWF can invite whoever it wants to the meet. There's there's more flexibility. And they just invited her, um, and there weren't already two Americans. There weren't any other Americans who had hit the mark. So, fortunately for the sport, um, she's going to be here. She's going to be a huge story. Um, USATF created a special press conference for her tomorrow. So, the pole vaults tonight are going to get some, you know, um, featuring, and then on the final day is the women's high jump, and you know it'll be thrown in with everything else, but you know, some of the field events are going to be some of the top things here. If you're just joining us, this is the Electron.com uh, World Indoors Preview Show. I'm Weldon Johnson in Portland, joined by Jonathan Galt and Robert Johnson. Yeah, I, I was so, worried she wasn't going to get to go, and then I, I was looking into that over the weekend myself, and no American had the standard, so the host nation automatically gets the country, gets the spot. So being the U.S. champion, she sort of, by default, would be invited to that. Um but I think that I probably would have invited her anyways, just because you know they're pretty smart about that. You know, in these field events, they want to keep it pretty small. I think they only take 12 people, so um, it's just tough. I mean, the, the standard of 197 um, is, is quite high. Yeah. Let's, so let's turn to the distance races. Um, I'm sure that's what most people want to hear about. Where do you guys think we should start? I, I mean, I think we should start women's 800 because that, to me is the United States' best chance for a, a gold medal in the mid-distance events of these championships. Uh, you've got RJ Wilson. She's the world leader. Uh, she has second best, second best, no, sorry, she has the third best personal best in the field, uh, but she's been running much better than those two other women who run faster than she has. Um, and, you know, she looked terrific in winning USA Indoors last week. It was basically breathed through. Uh, I know Ajay can win in a variety of styles. She can win from the front. She can win from behind. Uh, really, I don't see any reason, you know, not to pick her for the gold medal. I think, you know, looking at the entry list, there are some other women who have run comparatively fast, but, you know, Lindsay Sharp, she already lost to Wilson earlier this year in New York. Laura Raisler, she didn't look like herself at USA's, you know, but, and she's actually never beaten Ajay Wilson. So I don't expect that streak to end this weekend. Um, the, you know, the women I would be looking to spring an upset is probably uh, there's this Ethiopian um, named Habitam Alemu. Uh, she is only 18 years old, but she's progressed rapidly. She's run 201 this year. She hasn't lost. Uh, if she makes a big breakthrough, you know, she could sort of mimic Moa Mon, who uh, won World Indoors four years ago as an 18-year-old. Um, then the other woman that I think is worth watching, huge wild card, as we pointed out in our preview, is Francine Niansaba of Burundi. Uh, she started working with Mark Rowland in the Oregon Track Club back in January, but she hasn't raced since last year. And her, you know, her competitive record over the last few years is very spotty. She didn't run at all in 2014. She ran several races at the start of 2015, but didn't do anything until September when she then went 
159 and then 157. And she actually ran faster in her last race of the season than uh, RJ Wilson has ever run. So, you know, she, she is a woman that she's at the top of her game. She's run 156. She is certainly a threat. But from speaking to her coach, Mark Rowland, uh, this is more of a meet to just see where she's at right now, assess her fitness level. It didn't seem like he was talking her up for the gold medal. So, I, you know, if she's she has a great race, she she could contend, but I think Wilson is the woman to beat. I agree with you, John. This is Robert um, commenting. You know, but the, the thing about Nian Saba is, I mean, look how fast she is, 156 in 2012 when she was, you know, 19 years old. And so she ran 157, even if she's not in good shape. You know, 201 is competitive in the world indoors. I mean, no one's broken too flat this year. Two years ago, Chanel Price won the gold for America in, in an upset. She didn't actually even break 12, two at, at Worlds. But what a moment for her. And, you know, one thing that makes me nervous about IEG, I mean, AJ, I, I think AJ is definitely the pick, and that's who I'm picking to win the gold. But, you know, we need to remember two years ago, she was the favorite sort of for gold there. I mean, she, was un, un, she wasn't as accomplished as she is now, but she was running better than anyone, and she didn't even make the final. So as well as she's been running, I think she's definitely going to go under two. But, you know, Nian Saba is such a fascinating story. I mean, people wonder how can we beat these African runners. And, I mean, the fact that someone who went from 211 in May down to 157 in September and then decides to change coaches, and then he says, oh, yeah, Mark tells you, we don't even know what she was training. We don't, she didn't keep a training log. I mean, it's just like it's so... You know, just out there, um, but it's kind of scary thought that she's going to have, you know, the the uh, top notch sort of um, training. Although I guess that didn't work so well for Moaman when he joined Mark Rowland last year. So maybe the OTC needs to get their 800 runners in store. Oh, we'll see. But I, I think you know the other thing that you, you touched on about RJ. Yeah, she is the favorite. I think what people need to remember, she ran. Mm-hmm. Uh, negative split in the USA final. I think she ran two flat point. Sorry, two flat point eight or something to win USA's. She did that going 61.59. So that tells me she's in shape to go well under two minutes at the moment. And I don't, you know, I just don't see anyone else in that kind of shape. You know, Nian Saba maybe if she's she's ready, but I don't, I don't like that she hasn't raced at all this year. So yeah. I don't know. It and- should be interesting. Yeah, Robert, go ahead. I mean, I, I know we didn't really plan on put this in writing, but I guess I feel more comfortable to say it on the podcast. There has been some speculation that Ian Sabo is a benefit of the recent ruling in the summer by the IOC on the intersex athletes, and, and they no longer need to take medication. Her improvement sort of all came after that announcement. We don't know, have any confirmation of whether that's true or not. But that is a big story to be looking forward to in the Women's 800 as a whole in 2016. Um, in the past, a lot of the women, Castor Semenya, some others that really weren't even publicly named, have been dominating the event that were um, intersex in nature. So, well, hypoandrogenous is the phrase you want to be using there, hypoandrogenous. It's like the, the Indian sprinter. Um, Dute. Chan. Dute Chan. Yeah. It's, they're, these is um, w- w- women, females who have more testosterone, intersex is a slightly different thing. But um, yeah, it is something to be looked at, and we're going to sort of be looking into that this weekend. Um, but but sort of, uh, you know, the, the IOC is also trying to figure out by Rio sort of what sort of rules they want in place by that. But right now there are no rules in place. So that is an interesting story to sort of follow in a couple of women's events. And uh, with Ajay Wilson, sort of one quick thing, you know, she was undefeated in 2014 kind of as we alluded, 
um, and had the top time, I think, coming in. Didn't yeah. make the final, but you know, she ha- she's two years older. Um, at, at the time, she was what? She's now not even 20. She's still she's 21, 21 so she was 19. Um, she's way more experienced. Um, she's raced more this year's indoors than she did two years ago. Uh, she's two years older. And even just the fact she what she's doing this winter after missing, you know, the big portion of the outdoor season last year, um, it, I think it, it shows why she's one of the favorites for gold, not only here this weekend, but also in Rio. And it will help that there are no uh, suspicious Russian athletes in this field. Um, you know, Maria Savinova, the Olympic champion, world champion. In, oh, sorry. Yeah, Olympic champion, world champion in 2011. She uh, was, you know, one of the athletes mentioned the ARD documentary, taking quarantine arts and drugs. So, you know, the absence of her and any other Russians who might be suspicious, that certainly helps clean athletes, which uh, we hope that everyone in these championships is. Sure. And, you know, it's really an event that's been dominated by elevated testosterone, whether natural, whether the result of natural causes, birth or, you know, legal stuff going on in Russia. But why don't we turn to the event where, you know, it's like what event are you most looking forward to? John said the women's 800. But I, I, I was... You know, the event where I'm not sure if this is the one. I'm having a tough time. I'm either looking at the most forward to the men's 1500 or the men's 3000. But I think we should start with the men's 1500 because I think that's the event definitely where the America has the best chance for a gold medal in Matthew Sintowitz. I mean, he's just been absolutely on fire all season. 350 in the mile, Milrose, world leader, um, one of the top times in world history, actually. And um, you guys, you know, how confident are you that he can contend for a gold? Um, you know, we, I didn't get to watch the race at USA's last week because I was at NCA's. So the fact that he barely beat Robbie Anders, does that make you guys nervous about his chances? It it makes me a little nervous, but in talking to Centro after the race, he actually thought it was a good thing because, and I know that uh, I saw an article in the Oregonian, Alberto Salazar said the same thing, can go. And they basically both said that, the fact that Centro was challenged in the home straight, which he hasn't been challenged at all this season, the fact that he was challenged and able to respond, dig deep, find another gear, and then still win against, you know, one of the best kickers in the sport, Robbie Andrews, they thought that that really spoke to how strong Centro is right now. And, you know, he, I think the two rounds will help him because, you know, he, he's an athlete who has the aerobic ability to get through the rounds. So, you know, they, they didn't view the, you know, Andrews, I think it really just speaks to Robbie Andrews has closed the gap on Centrowitz. He's in terrific shape right now. But Centro, you know, is still the U.S.'s best medal hope in that event. And, you know, absolutely he can contend for gold because he's contended for gold basically since uh, he turned professional in 2014. You know, sorry, in 2011. You look at his major championship performances apart from uh, – World Indoors in 2012, he's really been in the thick of it. And, you know, last year in the World Championship final, I think he was, he was only eighth. He wasn't quite as high as he wanted to be. But, you know, 2011 Worlds, he was third. 2012 Olympics, he was fourth. 2013 Worlds, he was second. And, you know, now he's in maybe the best shape of his life, at least, uh, certainly at this point in the season, the best shape of his life right now. So to say that, uh, you know, he's a medal contender, that goes without saying, I think. But, it's a question, can he beat Suleiman and can he beat Abdullahi Aguida, uh, who may or may not run this event? He's also entered in the 3K because 
those are two men who, when they're at the absolute top of their games, probably can reach a higher level than Centrowitz has at least shown to this point. Yeah, I'm going to try to play some audio from Centro at uh, USA. Hopefully this works. I'm doing this for the last second. But here's what Centro said about uh, Andrews pulling up on his shoulder. Well, when he was right on my shoulder, like I was like, all right, here we go. But then he actually went by, and that's when I was like, I kind of thought, I was like, I hope there's not another guy on his shoulder. So, like, you know, there's two guys going by me. Then I, then I found myself not even on the team. And so I kind of felt looking at the board and kind of glancing over. It was just a matter about digging deep and just kind of looking past that finish line. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's what I had to do. Um, it, it was a super, super chalky race. Um, I'd say more than in recent years. You know, last U.S. Indoor Championship, I don't think it was this physical. Um, I think about three or four times I kind of felt myself feeling like I was getting tripped up. I can glance back at uh, – whoever was behind me just because I was like, this is like the third time now, you know, and, uh, and that was all in the last few laps. So that kind of, you know, makes it a little more difficult when you, when you're trying to wind up a little bit. So, um, so that's a little bit of a intro talking about this past weekend, but you know, I think being challenged is a good thing. Um, and I think, uh, you know, the most positive way to view it is that Robbie Andrews has raised this game since going back to coach vigilante and, um, uh, you know, I, I was shocked because usually when somebody gets past that close to the finish, they don't come back. And yeah, super slow race maybe isn't Centro's best thing, but it, I think you can win a lot of ways. And you, people would have, you know, Robbie Andrews' best race is a slow race, so yeah. he still got beat by Centro in that type of race. Um, the um, but I like his chances. Well, while you were, you got while you guys were talking about that and playing that audio, I. I I found the video on USATF.tv and finally watched the last lap, and it, it was a pretty impressive finish. It's fascinating to me to see the contrast in the styles. I mean, Centro, he's like Nick Willis. He's so smooth when he runs. He never looks like he's trying. And Robbie looks like a football linebacker compared to him, kind of running up on the outside of Blankenship and then coming on by. But the interesting thing there is, you know, and Centro said this to me at Milrose. He's like, you know, my whole life people say, go to my arms, go to my arms. He's like, I'm, I feel like I'm trying really hard. It just doesn't look like that. His form never breaks down. It was, it was fascinating to watch that even there. When he came back on Andrews, I mean, the whole time, it's like, wow, it looks like he's going to get beat. He's not trying. Oh, wait, he's going to come back on. He's not trying. He just looks smooth the whole time. When you have that really smooth form, you know, it never changes whether he's, you know, he's, he is all out. And it's just he does have that extra strength. And I think, John, your point of how USA's was a straight final, I hadn't thought about that. That is big. I mean, I really think that, the rounds are much more beneficial to someone like Centrowitz, who's a 1,500, possibly, uh, you know, I think someday he could possibly be the American record holder of 5,000 like his father, um, than Andrews, who's coming back, who's coming to the 1,500 from the 800, where he's going to be better off in a one-off event like that. So, um, you know, but in terms of Ecuador and Suleiman, um, who did you guys pick in the preview? I, I picked the Guida. And it's based on the fact that, you know, he's medaled at World Indoors in this event the last three editions, including winning it in 2012. Uh, he basically, his, his track record in major finals is great. He was third at the World Championships last year. He's run 328. You know, this guy, when he comes, he comes ready to play, you know. And I think if he's entered in this race, uh, he does well indoors. He has an outstanding track record. He has great strength. He's run under 13 minutes for 5,000. Um, I just think he's really tough to beat. And he's been running well this year. You know, he's won both of his races 
he beat Suleiman by, I think, a second uh, in, in Glasgow, and he also won the 3K against Yomif Kajelcha in Stockholm, and he did those two races against two great guys in the span of four days in February. So that's why I picked him. Uh, I think I had Suleiman second because, you know, he ran 214 for 1K, and if he just goes – It'd be interesting to see how Suleiman plays it. He likes to control races from the front. He won this race two years ago by just going wire to wire. So will he try and do the same thing and just force a fast pace? Um, but he lost. He did lose to a leader at fifteen hundred this winter. So that's sort of why I went yeah. leader over Suleiman. And you know, Centro could beat both of them on a good day, but I, I think I picked him third. John, that's a that's a good point. I mean the. Uh... When I was at Millrose, I was talking to Nick Willis, who's someone we haven't mentioned, and you know, Nick was saying he thought at this point, at, at that point in the season, there was really four guys contending for the three medal spots: Igudor, Suleiman, um, Centrowitz, and, and Willis. And it's clear Centrowitz was significantly better than Willis at Millrose. Suleiman, I mean, Igudor, how, how do you pronounce it, James? <laughs> Igudor. Uh, I, I say Igudor. I don't know yeah. 100% if that's accurate, but. Iguider was significantly better than Suleiman in in that um, race in Sweden. It was 334.94 and 336.30, so he crushed him by one point um, three se- three six seconds. So, you know, that's a lot at that level. So, um, I think the 3,000 guys, and that maybe should be the next event that we go to, you know, can be very thankful that Iguider is not in that one because he might be the favorite in either the 1,500 or 3,000. Kind of reminds me a little bit of NCAAs. I mean, going in, 800 was viewed as a marquee event um, on the men's side with Donovan Brazier and a bunch of these guys who didn't make the final. Andres Royo. I mean, shocking how these guys would run so fast couldn't make the final. I mean, obviously Brazier pulled up injured. But after watching the final there, really even watching the prelims um, of 800 when um, Clayton Murphy of Akron looked so good, I was like, you know what? Clayton would win the 8 or the 15 or 8 or the mile. They don't have the 1500 at NCAAs. Whatever he wanted to run, he was going to win. And I felt that even more so after watching the 800 final. So um, I think Igudor might be in that boat in the 1500 and 3000 in these world championships. I mean, he won the, um, he's gotten a gold and a silver in the past or old indoors. There's really nothing to like about him. It's, um, if you're just joining us, this is the westrun.com World Indoor Preview Show. I'm Weldon Johnson, joined by Jonathan Bell. And also, to make worlds interesting, um, Everybody should be playing in the Let's Run.com $200,000-16 Running Warehouse World's Prediction Contest. Go on to Let's Run.com. It's very easy. There's a list of the athletes, their top, what they've done. You pick the top three. Anybody can play. We had a um, 14-year-old um, girl from, um, I think she's from the Midwest somewhere, win our World Marathon, our Olympic Trials Marathon Contest. So get that in. But I was looking at some of the uh, results from the contest, and it's kind of interesting. Suleiman is picked by 39% of the people to win. Um, Central West comes in second at 37, and then uh, Iguida is at uh, 19%. So I'm, I'm kind of surprised more people aren't picking him. Well, and you're not using this uh, inside knowledge like the DraftKings employee, uh, you know, basing your pick, trying to make money off of it, knowing where the crowds are going. Is there anything untoward about this? It, there totally is. It's stated in our rules that we can win our own contest. So. Um, Wait, John, that, that's, that's a brilliant contest. strategy. I, I, I wanted, I've always wanted to do like a DraftKings-type thing for Let's Run, have track and field. Giving away content is free. I need something that people pay for. And then we could start that and then use our inside info, rig the system, 
and win it. And hopefully we're small enough fish that the attorney generals like New York and all these states wouldn't come after us. They even though we've just know. committed to the whole strategy it, it, of this podcast, that was this great. All of our fans. This will prove, to, you know, how widely. Maybe we need to do our, some creative editing on this podcast. Our podcasts are. Um, half size, do a thing live. We uh, be recording this. Um, yeah, you know, and Nick will Nick will comes in at three point seven percent. You know, Nick sort of made headlines this year most for sort of talking about his porn addiction and um, that giving up porn. And I think sort of it was it's interesting sort of what attracts people's attention. I commend him for sort of talking about something that you know he felt was important to him and. Um, he, he's still a tremendous runner, but I sort of see that Centro is having his number right now. And, you know, you're not going to win gold unless you beat Centro. Um, but we should, we should keep, keep the show moving along. Um, how about, you know, where should we turn to now? Men's, well, let's talk men's 3K because we, you know, we sort of touched on that. We didn't really go through it. Uh, Robert, you wrote the preview on that one. I think you didn't really mention Aguida because we sort of think that he's going to be doing the 15 as opposed to the 3K. But, you know, the the U.S.'s top entrant there is Ryan Hill, uh, the U.S. champion this year and last year. What what do you think? Or, he said, you know, he doesn't – he'd be happy with top five. That's his goal. But what, what do you think are his chances of, uh, you know, this weekend, Robert? Well, last month when when, when he was winning at Milrose, the same day, Mo Farah ran – 3,000 in a similar time, and, and Ryan Hill's close was better than better than much better than most fair. Hill closed in 55, I think. Fair closed in like 58 high. So at the time, I was like, is Ryan Hill the best guy in the world? And I would I probably argued the answer is yes. Um, you know, he didn't run it much. He still ran 7:38 at USA's in a rabbit race, which makes me a little bit concerned. I'm not sure if he's really a whole lot better off now than he was a year ago. I mean, a month ago. So I think he has an excellent shot in the medal. I mean, in my preview, I said, look, there's five guys that I think all could win this. I mean, it is a loaded event. you got the defending champion, Caleb Nduki, 23 years old from Kenya. Um, you've got Yomi Kizelcha, just 18 years old from Ethiopia. I mean, people talk about how good Edward Cheserick is. Can we acknowledge, I mean, Kizelcha's run 12.53, and he's 18. He won the World Youth title in 2013. He won the world junior title in 2014. He was fourth in worlds and had the world leader in 2015. And as I said, you know, I mean, think about the last 20 years of professional distance running. It's gone from Haile Gabriel to Kenesia Bekele to Mo Farah. There's been an unbeatable guy basically the entire time, one after the other. And if you're looking based on resume, it's got to be Kajelcha as the next guy. Um, so then you've got Dejan Gabriel, who was the New Balance Indoor Grand Prix winner in, in, in um, in Boston, he's an Olympic silver medalist at 5,000. I mean, it's loaded. Augustine Choge has been the guy that's been 29-year-old kid and has been winning all the European meets. Um, he's done, um, you know, he's won in World Indoor Silver in the past. I just don't see him as a, quite as high quality of an athlete. He's more of an indoor specialist. I mean, jack of all trades outdoors. I, I, I don't think he's going to win. And then you've got Ryan Hill, 26 years old. I mean, never been running. The 3K is really perfect for him. So, I mean, when I started to write the preview, to be honest, I was like thinking that when I was all just said and done, I kind of let the facts take me where they take me. I was thinking, am I going to be picking Ryan Hall to, Hill to win gold? And in the end, I didn't and didn't even pick him to win a medal. But I think his idea of, of, of you know, if he's top five because he's been seventh in the past, that he's moving forward, 
yeah, he's moving forward. But if he's not top five, he should be very disappointed because he's one of the five best guys on paper in this field, no doubt about it. So he needs to be thinking about a medal and, you know, dreaming potentially of gold. Yeah, his co- his comments yesterday about wanting to finish uh, top five were pretty interesting. Um, let's try to play the – you're a little higher than that or – I just want to improve steadily. My best finish is seventh. So I just want to be sixth or better now. Just keep improving, but uh, you're, you're going to be sixth, not going to be top five while you're at it. So that's the main top five. You said you're staying at – you know, so he, he, initially just kind of came out and said, you know, I just want to be top five. And maybe it is a bit misleading him having the top mark. Once you look at, at the field, you see, you know, there are a few guys who are definitely more credentialed, um, you know, than him. But, you know, just, then there was a follow-up essentially like, well, if you just want to be top five, if you finish fourth, that leaves you, you know, one spot from a medal. And, uh Here's what he said to that. It will be my highest finish of the goal. And that's all I'm trying to do is just improve and improve and improve. If I can get the Olympics better fourth, then my goal third. Is there the disappointment, though, that if we choose there, that you're allowed? Maybe. Maybe. But I think I'd be happy. I mean, if you look at how good it feels, I'd be happy. Thank you, guys. You know, so we can't really hear that very well. I'm worried our viewers might not, listeners might not be able to hear that, but basically he was saying he'd be happy with anything that's moving ahead of where he's been in the past at Worlds. Yeah, I mean, you know, he said he'd be happy with a fourth place finish. Um, you know, I don't know if that's the sports psychologist talking to him or why, or just you know, well, have I, higher I, expectations I, privately and, and say that publicly. Yeah, and I think as fans and journalists, you want to say to someone, oh, I want to see him go for it, but I think as a former coach, I like the mindset. I think, A, you know, lowering expectations publicly never hurts. But, B, you know, you can't control – and track and field is not like other sports. What you do really has nothing – no impact on what other people do, so you can't control it. He could run the race of his life and get beat, finish fourth, you know. So he's just focusing on getting better, finishing higher, you know, and those types of things. And I think that really helps you – maintain consistency in the sport. I mean, I think one of the reasons if, if, if I was going to sit on the couch and act like a psychoanalyze Alan Webb, I mean, Alan Webb is kind of all or nothing. And that may have been why he ran so fast in the mile 346. It also may have been why, you know, his career didn't, he was so up and down in his career because, you know, he just, it was winning or failure. And I, I think that, um, you know, there's pluses and minuses to, to both mindsets, but I think Hills is, is definitely a more sustainable one over the long term. Um, you know, I, I wish I could talk to Renata Canova, being Italian coach and, of the Kenyans and often message board poster, about Caleb Nduku because, you know, he ran two races in the span of three days in, in Europe in, in February, early February, February 3rd and February 6th. Um, you know, opener, he ran 739.8, lost to Augustine Choge. I mean, considering no one's run faster than 738, that's not a bad showing. He ran three days later and in, in uh, another German city, man, it was only 7:44. But if you're not in tip-top shape to, to do two, 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 three Ks back in three days, is, is a little bit tough. So in my mind, he's had six weeks since then. If those six weeks have gone well, I just don't see him losing. He's run 3:29 for 1500. The 3,000 often turns into sort of a glorified 1500. Um, and remember, last year he was barely training. He was hurt a lot of the year. Came out, ran 
1332 in Lausanne in the Diamond League. It looks like he's not going to be a factor and finishes second at Worlds seven plus weeks later. So, um, you know, I, I think that those, well, I mean, him and, and then Kajelcha is just so talented, and then Gabriel Mesco is running so well. It's just a super, super loaded event. Um, you know, and that's one of the things I think these distance runners need some credit. I mean, some of these other events aren't as loaded as, as the men's 3000 is. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the men's 800, um, and maybe we should move towards that, that event just, you know, you, I was trying to come up with the potential medalists, and, you know, it, it's hard. I mean, I, I think Boris Berrien has a great chance because when you look at the top, very top event people in each event, you've got some of the people, you know, some of the medal, a lot of the medal contenders for the Summer Olympics uh, will be racing uh, here in the men's 3000. You don't have Jalen, sorry, you don't have Mo Farah, you don't have, uh, you know, Hagos Gebrewet, but you, you've got a lot of them. Whereas in the men's 800, you know, there's no Rodisha, there's no Adam Schott, there's no Amel Tuka, there's no Nigel Amos, Mo Man is not, um, he has, he's only run 147, he hasn't been running as well as he usually does indoors. So I think the men's 800 is a lot more open because, you know, all the studs aren't there. And, you know, really, when you look at it, the favorite is a guy that I don't even know, you know, I've, I've heard of him, but I don't know how many average track fans have heard of Musab uh, Abdulrahman Bala of Qatar. You know, he he's run 143 personal best. He was uh, in the final at Worlds last year. He got sixth outdoors. He's uh, run 145.93 this year, but... You know, the guy that I think a lot of people would have picked to win gold at World Indoors would be Adam Schott. He was, you know, silver at Worlds last year, silver at World Indoors two years ago. But he decided he doesn't want to travel all the way across the world uh, in an Olympic year towards the end of March. So he's going to be staying home in Poland, which means that, it's, you know, it's Bala, it's Berrien, and then it's a lot of guys. You know, there's Mo Amon, We don't know what we're going to get from him. And then there's a lot of guys who are sort of on the a tier below. Yeah, I think, you know, the 800... There's four events where the U.S. athletes have a chance for gold. I think distance events are a good chance, decent chance, maybe is the right word. And the 800, definitely one of them. And you know, kind of the contrast between the 3K and the 800 shows some of your chances for gold are at least at the World Enders are based upon who shows up. Whereas yeah, I, at the Olympics, you know, everyone's going to show up, and you know, some events can be down year to year, but sort of. You know, you're an Olympic champion. You can't say, oh, I, you know, it's because people didn't show up. But you can be a world indoor champion, and, you know, it's because people didn't show up. Yeah. Um, but Boris Berrien, he's got to love his chances here. Um, I think this is a good experience for him. You know, a year and a half ago, uh, you know, as I said to him at, at USA, it's like he was pretty much, like, on the fringes of the sport or even a year ago, and now he's going into world indoors with a good chance for a gold medal. Um, it's kind of interesting. He doesn't have a sponsor yet. He's in the Big Bear Track Club with Brenda Martinez. New Balance sponsors the track club, so he still wears their singlet, but he's not paid by anyone right now to be running. Um, and that, that will change for sure quickly. Uh, Holly Kapleski is his agent, Meb's brother, who's you know gotten some interesting deals with Meb and Leo Manzano, so sort of guys who have at the top and then unsponsored. And you know, I'm, I'm sure that'll be worked out. He might have a little more leverage after this weekend. Um, yeah. The 800 indoors this year has been very weak. Sort of, I feel like, like across the board on the men's side, the times are slower in all the events. I think there's probably a few less meets than there used to be. Um, and also probably with it being the Olympic year, maybe a few less guys are running indoors. 
Well, I was disappointed to see Adam Schott not show up. I mean, two years ago, the, the men's 800, there was two poles, him and Marcin Lodowski. The, that Argo Arena was just rocking. Everybody, that's what they were into. I mean, they didn't have a lot of gold medal hopes. And he ended up getting the silver there. And, you know, I mean, so, but he, you know, he's been running indoors, but he just, you know, it's, it's a week later than normal this year. I didn't want to do it. But I wish they would move, move the world indoors just a little bit earlier in, in Olympic year so guys would do it or maybe up the prize money a little bit. Um, because, you know, we can't be too critical of them. All the Americans that have skipped this event in the past now decide to show up because it's Portland, or a lot of them have. Um, so, you know, I give credit to guys who do it all the time. Galen Rupp ran it two years ago, and he tried to make it this year. Um, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, the um, it's certainly – I think Barian – you know, if you're a Barian fan, one thing you definitely need to do is get on the Runner's World and read the article by Cathal Dinehay about him and how he was working at McDonald's. I mean, talk about the fringes of the sport. I mean, he was sort of in the sub-fringes, I would, I would argue. Yeah, so looking at the results from the Let's Run.com uh, Running Warehouse Prediction Contest, uh, right now 40, 44.5% of people think Bala will win, 32.5% think Barian will win, and then it drops to 16% from Oman. Um, you know, so one out of three chance to, to win a gold medal is pretty good for uh, Barian. And uh, he, he reminds me of the last American to win the World Indoor Gold, David Krumenacher. Both very tall, and uh, they're both wearing black singlets. Uh, Krumenacher ran for Adidas back in the day. They'd always wear a dark singlet, it seemed like, indoors. Um, so... It, That'll definitely be a race to watch. Um, I didn't give the results of the uh, men's 3K from the uh, fantasy our fantasy track contest. Um, Gabriel Meskel was picked by 49.5% of people, nearly 50%. I'm actually surprised that's that high. Nduku, 23%. Ryan Hill, 8.8%. Uh, and then Shogate, 8.5%. Well, I think Gabriel Meskel's benefiting from the bump that comes with being listed first on the entry list. So... It's someone who doesn't know much about the event, which really, if you don't know who Dejan Gebremeskel is and you're playing a Let's Run prediction contest, I mean, you've got to ask yourself, what are you doing? But, you know, I think he probably is maybe a little artificially inflated because he is the top seed. Uh, I was thinking Hill had the top seed. That makes sense. We should probably randomize the uh, order that are presented, but then people... No, no, make, no it's hard to get it. People it's would know the top seed would be the list. Yeah, let's keep it. Okay. Uh, one, 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 one quick thing I want to say, you know, wait a minute on with Hill is, do you think some of the mindset of the top five is a difference in sort of the mindset of the groups? You know, there's sort of this rivalry developing, and Hill yesterday at the press conference said it's a friendly rivalry between the Bowerman Track Club, coached by Jerry Schumacher, and the Nike Oregon Project, coached by Alberto Salazar. But I remember at Worlds a few years ago when Jager, Evan Jager just missed you know, it was like fifth place or something, and it was like, oh, I was hoping for a medal. And he's running sort of hoping to a medal, and a journalist next to me turned and said, oh, that's the difference in the groups. You know, Alberto's guys are running, like, they're like, no, I'm shooting for a medal. Um, do you guys think anything that has to do with it, or sort of Alberto's, you know, starting with athletes who have been a little bit higher to begin with? Uh, I don't know, I think sort of Alberto's success in the past and the idea that he's been, that he was the best in the world, that his athletes could be the best in the world, that are more openly confident or willing to talk about shooting for the top. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it necessarily affects the outcome on the track. I think that these athletes are at such a high level that, you know, they're going to 
perform at, at, to the level that they're capable of, regardless of whether their mindset is, you know, I'd like to get a medal or, you know, I'm going to get a medal. But I think the Nike Oregon project was formed with the idea that it was to get Americans meddling at Olympics and major championships. That, that's the whole purpose of the group. That's why Salazar decided to take on Rupp from such an early age. He wants to get these guys medals. That is the end goal. Whereas Schumacher, you know, I, I'm sure he wants to get medals as well, uh, but he doesn't, he hasn't vocalized that in the past. You know, Jerry uh, doesn't speak with the media as, you know, that frequently. And he, he's not someone like Salazar who's saying, who said from the start when he formed his group, purpose is to do this. We want to, you know, change American running. Uh, you know, I, I can't speak to Jerry's views personally because I haven't spoken to him with it, about that. But, you know, I, I think the whole purpose of the Nike Oregon project was to get medals. So that's why those athletes are more, probably why they're more confident saying that. That's some good analysis, I think. I, well, um, I mean, perhaps, but then you could also say the win at all costs, that, you know, attitude is also potentially why there might be a you know using USADA investigation going on so that's a long story that we don't really have time to talk for we got to get well we have one hour until the Yale tip-off so I need to be wrapping up those of you many of you I know are like myself and you root for a Duke upset every year in the NCAA basketball tournament I have a score update unfortunately Duke is winning by seven I guess they still could blow it up by 12 12 minutes left over UNC Wilmington um, 61 to 54. But um, if you and if you want the uh, number one versus 16 seed in the World Indoor Track and Champ Field Championships, let's turn to the two distance events where Americans really don't have a good shot for gold. The first being the women's 3,000 meters, where I can report that uh, Let's Run.com Nation has made 98% of people have picked Gonzebe Dababa to win the gold medal in the women's 3,000 meters, and she's Racing one of the greatest distance runners of all time, Ezra Defar, uh, who's run 8:30 this year, very respectable time, and only 1.8% of people are, are, have picked her. Um, and you know, we're talking about winning at all costs. There's been some allegations uh, against her coach this year uh, that were since recanted. That were since recanted, but sort of that's unusual to have, um, you know, something like that come out. So the world, former world junior 1500 meter champion, Hamza Druesh. Um, reported in the French press, he ha- tested positive, um, finally w- was prosecuted last year. And he said that uh, Yama Auden uh, doped him. And then about a week later, he came out and said, no, 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 you know, sort of lost in translation. I uh, I didn't say that. Um, so, you know, that's, you know, to pretend these things aren't out there, you know, isn't, I think it, it delegitimizes the sport. Yesterday at the press conference, Brenda Martinez was speaking forcefully against drugs, and I think that should be encouraged. USATF at the press conference sort of tried to move the subject on. But and, and then the whole meldonium thing this winter shows, and, you know, you mentioned the Oregon Project um, and even them taking legal supplements, but meldonium was a legal supplement. and A lot of people apparently were taking it. Um, I think it just shows the extent people will go to, to try to win a gold medal. They're very hard to get. People are going to take every legal advantage they can, and then – some people will go beyond that. So it's, it's where our sport is, but it's where all sports are. So I don't think it's bad that it's out there and discussed. I think track and field does a much better job than any of the American pro sports in dealing with it. Um, the difference with track is 
There's no skill on top of it. There's no team thing on top of it. So when someone cheats, it's at the very heart of, of sport. Whereas the other sports, it's a little more answer. Um But does anything else need to be said about the women's 3,000 meters? Unless Debaba falls well, probably in the last four laps, I think the goal is her. I, I, I mean, I, I was first going to ask who were the 2% that voted against her, but then it should be remembered that, I mean, after Debaba, she was a 350, 1,500-meter runner. After she won the 1,500 at Worlds, everyone just assumed she would win the 5,000 as well, and Amal Zayano beat her there with a fantastic race. So, I mean, obviously she's going to be fresh here, not doubling. Um, but, you know, Defar is pretty amazing of an athlete. I mean, I, you think the 3,000 would be right in Debaba's wheelhouse. So, I, I, you know, I, I think that, you know, the real question is Shannon Roberry. I was surprised to see her in the 3,000, not the 1,500. I think she's got a better shot for gold than the 1,500. But Walden's talking about the win-at-all-cost mindset of the Nike Oregon Project. I think the fact that she picked the 3,000 goes against your argument because that, to me, is clearly the easier way to medal. She seems to be better than everyone else in the field. It's a safe bronze there, but she really has no shot for gold. Yeah, well, I mean, she, that's what she said. She uh, repeated it several times in her post-race interview at USA's. She was going to do the event that gives her the best chance to medal, uh, she clearly knows her body better than we do. She thinks that she's in better, she has a better shot to do it in the 3K than the 1500. So that's what she's going to be running here. And, you know, if you run through all the events, the entrance in the field, you know, it's, she has very, very small chance of beating Debaba. Being Defar, it could happen if Defar maybe goes out and ties herself out, but I don't see her beating Defar either. But I do think that she has the best chance of anyone else in the field to finish third. Whereas, you know, we spoke a little bit earlier, Robert, off the phone. In the 1500, there are uh, the Sipan Hassan and the two Ethiopians, Gudaf Sagai and Dewitt Sayum. They've all run 401 or 4 flat already indoors. And Robri's mile equivalent is only worth about a 403, 404. So she sees, you know, it's going to be easier for her to outkick the rest of the field bronze in the 3K than it is uh, to have to overcome one of those women in the 1500 and then the rest of the field, of course, as well. Brenda Martinez, I think Robery's, you know, a better 1500 runner than she is right now, but Martinez is no slouch herself. Robert? Oh, sure. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't have any disagreement with that. Um, yeah. We need to be wrapping this show up. It's been close to an hour. Um, anything about the women's 1500? I'm, I don't think I think that's the one distance event we haven't talked about. And I want to talk about before we before we sign off about a few people that aren't at the championships and ask you guys what you think about that means. But John, I think you wrote the women's 1500 preview. Can you? Just yeah. Sort of... You know, let's see this thing, and uh, we haven't mentioned Brenda Martinez. Um, you know, the top U.S. entrant. She's run 404 this year. They know that, what, there's three at 401, you said, John? 401 or faster, yeah. Or faster. Um, so medal is going to be hard. In other words, Robery, if she doesn't medal, will be a huge disappointment. For Martinez, a medal would be a step definitely in the right direction. Um, but she's run great at 800 this year. You know, she's medaled um, in the 800 outdoors. Well, her medal probably will get upgraded to a silver, which people were, were pointing out. So she's got great speed. She seems to have you know, refound it this year. Last year wasn't quite up to her standards of um, two years previously. Um, so I think it's a good, it'll be a great test for her in the 1500. She'll have a home crowd, obviously, rooting for her. Um, 
and she's competitive. So it's it's one of the events sort of, you know, we're looking, I don't know, we sort of discount her chance for gold, but if she becomes a poor, poor flat runner, it's an outside chance, I guess. Yeah, if it's a slow race, uh, that'll help us, especially. Um, so, yeah, Robert, what, what were you saying about sort of other... Well, I just was wondering, you know, some of the people that aren't here... Um, or some of the Americans that aren't even running indoors, and I was wondering if we should be worried that they're injured. I mean, the name that we were talking about women's running, I was like, where's Jane Simpson? But, you know, looking at it, she hasn't really run much of an indoor season um, the last few years. I mean, last year she did run the two-mile at the New Balance meet in, in, indoors, ran 918. Um, I think that was her only indoor race. Did we know, you know, hopefully they're healthy. In 2014, though, she ran... Couple races. She ran a, the New Balance race. She ran Milrose. Uh, no, just New Balance. Looks like she's run just New Balance every year. So, um, you know, and even Karani James. I mean, somebody. You know, I just don't get why these people are. Are they? Are they? Do they not do indoors because they think they're going to get hurt, or, you know, what's going on? I mean, when Karani won the Olympic gold medal in 2012, he also was. The World Indoor, uh, he also ran World Indoors, didn't even win that. He was only sixth at the World Indoors in 2012, went on to win um, Olympic gold in August. And then in 2011, when he won his first world championships, he, of course, was the um, running at the NCAAs, didn't actually even win that either. It was a DNF. So, um, you know, he, so those years that he ran it, even though he didn't run great, he ended up being, you know, the best in the world. Um, and then it just seems weird to me, the years that he hasn't run indoors, 2013, seventh of Worlds, you know, 2015, um, third of Worlds. So I just don't get this mindset of, oh, I'm a pro, I'm an Olympic champion, I don't want to do indoors. I, I feel like it actually hurts them. Who's with me? I mean, I think each athlete's going to sort of act in what I think their own best interest is. Jimmy's been indoors a few years, you know, but you'll, one of the meets you did was a New Balance meet, so that could be in her contract. Um, you know, Phoebe Wright even said she's kind of been on the not, not that close to making those teams recently, and she was talking about how there aren't big bonuses to do indoors, so it was just kind of fun for her to come compete. But she, you know, she's openly acknowledged that money influences what people do, so they're going to do what they think is best for them outdoors, and then maybe if there's some financial incentive to do it indoors, they might do it. Um, a guy like Joe Kovacs in the shot put, you know, dominated last year. I'm surprised, and there's not a ton of money in the shot. I'm surprised he wouldn't show up maybe and just, you know, give it a few spins and try to pick up $40,000. But I noticed last year was when he had a huge breakthrough. He didn't do indoors. In 2014, he did do indoors, tried to make, had a few meets, tried to make the U.S. team, didn't make it, finished third for the world indoors. So maybe he figured, like, look, I'm world champion. I'm going to keep doing what works with me for me. Um, yeah. Well, somebody you know, like we got, got some guys like – you know, Trayvon Bromel in the 60 meters, uh, you know, he's future of U.S. sprinting, right? I think that's a, a fair way of pushing it on the men's side, right? Oh, in the present as well. He got bronze last year. Yeah, so he, yeah. he's in the 60, you know, the 60 somewhat of a, a crapshoot indoors. Um, but there are, you know, he's probably one of the, there aren't as many events, sprinting events. I'm surprised none of the U.S. men's hurdlers are here, uh, the top guys, but sort of maybe they're getting older, it's changing of the guard. Um, because 
usually those guys will show up. They'll race in the parking lot. If you know, they'll race each other every weekend. You know, anywhere and, and everywhere. So that's a little you bit know, of a disappointment, but it, it should be a great meet to learn. Yep, it'll be exciting to see. And I think one thing about the shoppers, though, you know, they can do the early diamond lead meet, pick up ten grand a pop there, and do three or four of them, and win those, and you know, it's kind of a net wash financially, maybe um, if there's no big bonuses, but. Um, looking forward to it. Hopefully we've broken down the, the middle distances. Some of the other events we probably should have talked about. We don't have time. It's been an hour. I, I know people have uh, NCAA tournament games you guys want to watch before getting out to the pole vault. How late is the pole vault tonight? Starts at 7.05 local time, so uh, shouldn't be out there too late. I think that will be you know, enjoyable for you guys to watch just one event. I mean, the thing I always say about a sport, a track and field meet, there's 20 events men and women you're trying to cover 40 events at once you can't really appreciate it. it's not a lot of fun to watch that many events i i almost thought the way to go is to have like an olympic trials for distance running in eugene and then have the sprinting in austin texas and just spread, spread it around you can get bigger crowds that way um you know total aggregate number um and then have everybody just go to the olympics and worlds but maybe that's you know down the road crazy idea but um enjoy enjoy the uh the pole vault for sure. I wanted to ask you guys a trivia question before we go. I'm sure that Jonathan will know the answer. I'm confident. I, I, no Googling here. I'm going to give you five seconds to answer this. Please tell me where men's 800 favorite welder, Musab Abdulrahman Bala of Qatar, was born. Fresno, California. <laughs> I don't know. I would say Kenya, but give me the answer. I, wait, I don't know the exact answer, but I'm I'm going to guess Nigeria. Is that right? Incorrect. Wow. Both of you guys let me down. He is like Mo Farah, born in Sudan. So that's one thing that you you realize when you see something like wait, this. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Robert. Robert. Mo Farah what? is from Somalia. Oh, sorry. Oh, uh, yeah. Good point. Um, yeah, so calling us out. So all African countries are the same, right, Robert? Yeah. All those war-torn African countries. Oh, this name. I apologize. So is he from is he from Sudan or is he from Somalia? He's from he's Sudanese born according to Wikipedia. Okay. Wikipedia. So. Right. Um. Our first error right there, everyone. Letsrun.com. First audio. Mm-hmm. Error. <laughs> first <laughs> error of any kind. Don't think we've ever had any type first, of. Fortunately, from our um, detailed uh, analytics, we know no one listens past the 47th minute. <laughs> But speaking of the, uh, well, I don't know. All right, I think it's time to wrap it up. We, we have priorities. Saint Yale Bulldogs. Yale. St. Patrick's Day. Yale Bulldogs. Um, unfortunately, looking at the TV, there is um, no TV coverage tonight. But check out Let'sRun.com to find all the TV probably, links. Um, probably on USAFCF.tv, right? Steve Soprano flew here late last night, got here after midnight, 1 a.m., and then he stayed up all night doing the homepage. He has now entered the premises. Steve, welcome. Please say something to America. Morning. Morning, Amer- morning America. Hard to hear first. A morning. It is still morning on the East Coast. West Coast. West Coast, excuse me. Um, All right. Well, let's sign off here. We're signing off. For Westron.com, this is Weldon Johnson saying good night or good morning, America. Please enjoy- have a wonderful World Championships and spread the word about the Running Warehouse World Prediction Contest. Thank you. Hang it up, Robert.